This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Devil fans, it is time for episode 583, 583 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. I am Jason Evans, here for your listening pleasure. I'm joined by my good buddy, Donald Wine. Donald, it is midweek. The Blue Devils have had not have not had a game in a few days. We don't have a game for a few more days. What are you possibly doing to spend your time? What are, you know? How are you keeping yourself busy without Duke games happening every few days? <laughs> Man, the Lions are still in the playoffs. That's yeah, baby! I was at the game on Sunday. It it was I'm still on a high from that. It was it was absolutely amazing. Anyone who was a Lions fan will tell you what that game meant to all of us. Uh, and for me to be in the building, I was there with a, a buddy from high school who, you know, had a last minute ticket and let me have it. And man, it, I was so glad to get back up there. I was so glad to be a part of all that. The city was electric. It's going to be even more so uh, now that we're hosting a second game on Sunday. Jason, this is literally the deepest, the, the the furthest into the calendar that the Lions have ever been playing football. Like ever. Wait, even ever? the NFC, even the NFC championship game, the NFC title games were all before January 17th. That's how important that game was. And and now that we've gotten kind of like that first boulder off of our back, now the sky's the limit. We'll see what happens, but uh, we're we're really enjoying it so far. Hey, was there any booing or anything from Matthew Stafford on the other team? I mean, lifelong Lion, who a few years ago left you guys. Was there any? Mm-hmm. I mean, was there any weird feelings about that? The whole thing was weird. Um, you know, the the Rams are coming back to Detroit during the regular season next year, so that's where you'll get all the like the video montages and the the ability to really celebrate, but there was no way that was happening before the playoffs, especially a playoff game as big as this one. <laughs> right. um, I, I know he didn't like it. There was, there were some boos. I think what was more poignant was the Jared Goff cheers uh, and the chance that reverberated around the stadium. And, and everyone was mainly just saying, Hey, you know, Stafford is on the other team today, like loved him for 12 yeah. years, but he's on the other team. Jared Goff's our quarterback. We're riding with Jared Goff. So that's that was the main sentiment. All right, enough of the football. Enough of the Detroit football. <laughs> Let's get to Duke basketball. The Blue Devils have a game this weekend against the Pitt Panthers. If that rings a bell, if you feel like we've said that before, you are not on the wrong episode. We did, in fact, preview the Pitt Panthers like just a week ago or so. <laughs> um, 
But uh, but the ACC schedule is a strange, quirky device, and Duke is going to end up playing Pitt like twice in their first five AC five or six ACC games. It's 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 very it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's just the way they're doing it. And uh, Donald, we waited till today. This is Wednesday. It's midday. We waited till today to record because Pitt played last night. Mm-hmm. Um, they they you know the way Duke has an off day before the Pitt game. Pitt had an off day last weekend. So in between Duke playing them a week ago and Duke playing them this weekend, they only have one game. And it was last night against the Syracuse Orange and Pitt got their doors blown off. I mean, actually, I guess that's not Pitt. Pitt was down double digits the entire second half, almost without fail. Um, I don't want to say Syracuse blew them out, but Syracuse handled them fairly easily and like, I don't think after the first you know five or so minutes of the game, this was ever like even a two possession game. Um, in fact, well, I don't, I'm not even sure it was ever a three well, possession game. Well, Jason, you know, if you remember, Pitt went up 10 early on. I think at the under that's right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Media timeout in the first half. It was 23 13. And then coming out of that media timeout, Syracuse went on what I think it was like an 18 to two run or something like that to take the lead. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's where they really never looked back and, 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 you know, they were shooting the ball. Well, Pitt didn't really have an answer for that, like surge that Syracuse had. And then Syracuse was able to hold them at arm's length the rest of the game. Yeah. So I, I, I watched the entire game down. I know you watched it too. Let me, let me do a couple impressions. Cause we're not folks. We're not going to do the same kind of preview that we usually do. There's no reason to go over the same analytics that we did last time. Again, we saw this team literally a week ago and, and, and we did blow the doors off. We beat them like crazy in Pittsburgh. But I want to talk about a couple of things that I noticed in that game against Syracuse. Because this Pitt team is, I don't want to say they're at a crossroads, but they're at they're at a they're in a difficult spot. This has been a a a bad season for them, not as expected. They're currently one in five in the ACC. They've lost four out of five games. The only victory they've had since the calendar turned. Really, the only victory they've had since Christmas is they beat Louisville. And uh, no offense to Louisville, but Louisville sucks. So it, it has been a bad time for, for for the Pitt Panthers. I thought they came out playing really hard. They were working very hard against Syracuse in this game that I watched. Um, they they did not look like a team that's down on themselves. They did not look like a team that, that uh, you know, is resigned to their fate, so to speak. I thought they fought really well for offensive rebounds. But they just couldn't. I mean, the truth is they just couldn't put the ball in the bucket. They mm-hmm. took a lot of difficult shots. Uh, even the open shots they took didn't seem to go down. They weren't very smart. There were a number of times, especially on defense, that I, I just saw them make a play where I went, I went, man, that's just not, that's not an experienced play. That's not a savvy play. There were some times late in the game when they were trying to make a comeback where they fouled Syracuse players with almost no time left in the shot clock. On one play, Judah Mintz was going up for a shot. It was probably was just inside the three-point line, like an 18-foot jumper. He was on the move. The shot clock had less than one second left on it. And it wasn't the guy who was guarding him. It was another guy nearby who reached in and slapped his hand as he went up. It's just, it's such a, everything about it's a bad play. Like, Judah Mintz has taken a shot that he probably is going to hit maybe 25 or 30% of the time, at the most. And I think they were down nine at the time. They were trying, you know, they're trying to get there. And they just... It, it and that was emblematic of the whole game, and then you saw them start to become a little bit desperate. Pitt did, and just 
tossing up threes that had no chance of going in. Um, they tried to, they're trying to break out of a shooting slump that you don't break out of a shooting slump by, by jacking up the first shot you can find. You know, they started off strong as, as I think we both mentioned, they started off pretty strong and and I thought their energy was good, you know, against Pitt a week ago when we played them, what they didn't have was a fast start. We had the fast start and that's kind of how we were able to really open up on them and run away with that game. But what, what happened was more Jason, it was more like a lack of court awareness on a lot of their possessions. They didn't, they were running into each other. Sometimes there, there were times where they would say like a guy would go out of bounds to make a nice hustle play, but then he basically tossed it to his teammate who was standing right next to him on the, on the line or something like that. There was a lot of times where they just felt like they couldn't get out of their own way. And that led to the desperation you mentioned in the second half, where it felt like because they were down, because they were so frustrated with how they were playing, they tried to, you know, get a, you know, take a 10 point deficit and try to minimize it in one shot. So that came the 30 foot jumpers, the fallaways with, you know, trying to reach out and block a shot with one second left when there was no chance of the blocking the shot. There's a lot of plays where it felt like they were trying to make up the deficit in one play when they knew they could just do what they did in the first, you know, first 10 minutes of the game and yeah. just really scrap to get the points that they needed to, especially if their shots weren't falling. It, it just, it, it seemed like an out of sort pit uh, team. And Jason, it, it kind of leads me to you know, their free fall over the last couple of weeks since we, you know, last eight days since we played them. Yeah. Eight days ago in Kempom, they were 54th. They were 69th last night when they played Syracuse. They are now down to 78th in Kempom. They have dropped to 80th in the net. So in the span of eight days since we last played them on January 9th, they have dropped 24 spots in Kempom. That's a precipitous fall. That's not something that happens even you know when in the beginning of the season when when the you know, the, the algorithms are just kind of trying to get their bearings right. People don't just drop 24 spots in a week, and that's where Pitt has had. Pitt is really reeling here. This, ladies and gentlemen was a quad one game a week ago. This is now a quad three game that we're playing against Pitt on Saturday. So that's where we're at. But also it means Pitt is really going to be desperate to try and come out in Cameron and salvage the season and get them back on track. What I mean, just like every other team, right? Whenever the chips are down, they say, hey, Duke's on the schedule. We're really going to get up for that game. Let's see if we can pick off Duke. And maybe that'll help us get back into the conversation of all the post, you know, postseason tournaments. This is a big, big game for Pitt, and it is on Duke to match the intensity that we have to expect them to bring to Cameron on Saturday night. Yeah, when you talk about the different quadrants in the in the NCAA net, a lot of that is determined by is it a home or a road game. And for Pitt to have home losses to UNC and Duke and even Clemson, that's not it's not a shame. It's cool. Thing. Yeah, that's whatever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, you know, if you're a team that hopes to make the NCAA tournament, you hope to face some of those good teams and beat them in your house, but it's not the end of the world that you lose to them. Losing at home to Syracuse is a problem for Pitt and losing to home to Syracuse in a game where they were down double digits, the entire second half really shows you there's something up. It feels like there's a problem for this team and it feels like the season is getting away from them. I want to talk about a couple of players really quick before we get done talking about Pitt. First of all, um, Bub Carrington, who we, we talked about a you know, a week ago, as a guy who was looking like perhaps ACC rookie of the year, man, he is, he is in a bad, I don't want to say that Duke broke him, but man, he went four of 16 against Duke and then 0 for 10. 
I'm repeat that. Took 10 shots, didn't hit a single one of them against Syracuse. Um, he's a guy who was averaging like five assists per game coming into the Duke game. The last two games, he's only got four total assists. Like everything has fallen apart for Bub Carrington. And coming into the Duke game, I also talked about Blake Henson and how he had been super hot back in November and December. And then he'd cooled off in January. He's still cold. He only hit two of 11 three-pointers against Syracuse. Still firing it up there. Took 11, but he only hit two of them. Those are those two guys are like huge keys for Duke. We got, you know, we got to, neither one of those guys can get hot. The guy who did get hot for Syracuse is their other freshman. Bub Carrington's a freshman and Jalen Lowe is their other freshman. Um, and I talked about, I, I really liked sort of his length and how twitchy he kind of is as a point guard. Um, his shot creation was really nice against Syracuse. He had a huge game. He had more than 20 points. He was like the only guy in their team who, who shot worth a damn. And the last thing I wanted to note was we talked about Pitt being a really big team. A lot of tall guys in this team. Feels like lately they're getting a lot smaller. Jorge Diaz Graham has basically fallen out of the rotation. He played only two minutes against Syracuse. He only played like six minutes or so, I think, against Duke. So one of the Diaz Graham twins is basically non-existent. And his brother is playing less and less. Um, and in fact, I noticed at times last night that Pitt was playing like six, seven, Zach Austin or six, seven, William Jeffers at center. Like we, we talked about the fact that like, uh, Diaz Graham and, um, Federico Federico were, were getting all the minutes at center. Those guys are all playing a little bit less now as Jeff Capel tries to figure out what, what's going to work for this club. And, and they are playing smaller. And I think that could be an interesting development in this game because we saw Duke, against Georgia Tech, try playing small. It didn't work. And the Ryan Young experiment became the Ryan Young success, um, playing Young and Filipowski together. And I wonder if we'll see that against Pitt because I think that could cause problems for them because, as I say, they've been trying to go a little bit smaller lately. Yeah, I, I was going to mention that in the absence of Jorge Diaz-Graham, you would think that Federico Federico would pick up those minutes, but he has had fewer minutes. You mentioned Guillermo Diaz-Graham has also had fewer minutes over the last week or so. And I think it's also in an effort to try and get them out of the shooter slump. You have more guys coming in and trying to take outside jumpers and they're just not hitting, yeah. they're just not hitting them at all. So for Duke on Saturday, when I look at this team, first of all, there's, there's two things that I think we need to rem remember that we need to do well. One is we need to limit turnovers. We had 14 against Pitt, which was kind of on the higher end of what we've had all year. Uh, but I think the other thing is if we don't want Pitt to get hot, as you mentioned, we have to expect they're going to play and shoot better and be more physical and try and get guys into foul trouble. So what we need to do is respond in kind. We need to hit open jumpers. We need to have guys with hands in the face. You know, the the perimeter guys, you know, Jalen Blakes, Tyrese Proctor, I Think Jeremy Roach hopefully will be back, but assuming you know, assuming yeah. Look, the the big unknown is is Roach and Mitchell. We yeah. haven't heard anything definitive, I don't think yet. Although we did hear that both of them were were not expected to be long term kind of injuries with mm -hmm. the team having a week off. I feel pretty good. Look, it maybe by the time that folks listen to this podcast that we've already gotten something definitive, but I feel like both those guys are are fairly likely to play. I honestly won't expect anything until Saturday because it seems like the MO of this team so far has been, I mean, even when Tyrese Proctor was activated, we learned about that maybe an hour or two before uh, the game uh, that he was coming back and he was on the floor. But I think 
assuming that both of them are out, that means guys need to really step up physically. And it means that also our fast starts need to continue it continue to get the ball to Kyle Filipowski. You know, when when Ryan Young is in the game, when those guys check into the game off the bench, they need to come in with some purpose because a desperate pit is kind of a scary pit in a way because you don't want to see them get any momentum. You want to see us take the lead and really never look back, but that means we're going to have to play physical the whole game, and we have to expect that Pitt is going to try to shoot their way to a victory from beyond the arc. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for our preview of what Pitt brings to the table. We want to give you folks a little bit of recruiting news. If you're someone who follows recruiting closely, you won't be too surprised at this, but we do want to address it just very, very fast. We had said coming into the weekend um, that Duke was uh, waiting, eagerly anticipating an announcement from VJ Edgecombe. Uh, in fact, the Duke coaches went out to the Hoop Hall Classic where a whole bunch, to be clear, they, they did not go there for, for VJ Edgecombe. Uh, a whole bunch of prospects and commits were playing. Isaiah Evans was playing there. Cooper Flagg was playing there. Um, Darren Harris, I believe, was playing. You know, all mm-hmm. the top teams, and Duke tends to recruit from the top high school programs, these elite high school programs. They were all playing. But in any event, B.J. Edgecombe came out, and he announced that he is going to attend Baylor. Uh, we had heard, like in the days leading up to it, that it was a Duke-Baylor matchup. Um, I, You know, I don't want to get into too much detail on this. There are things that we've heard. There are things that we're aware of. But it does look like that this was a little bit of a of a bidding war between Duke and Baylor for VJ Edgecombe. And the, the Bears, the Baylor Bears, ended up stepping up at the end. I, I heard some outrageous figures. I heard some numbers that, to me, don't ring true. I mean, I'm not going to get into what the numbers are, but stuff in, stuff in the seven digits. And I don't think, I don't think that Duke would have been in a bidding war quite at that level. But um, uh, look, BJ Edgecombe, uh, he's a hell of a player. He is going to be a huge impact player for Baylor next season. And um, you know, tip your cat to the kid for for getting the most money he could. He he deserves every penny he can earn. And I'm perfectly fine with with his choice because he was a luxury recruit for Duke. We have a bunch of very interesting wing players already. And frankly, VJ Edgecombe would have made things very, very crowded. I want to be clear that he, in terms of NBA potential, in terms of what people think he will become, VJ Edgecombe is probably a better prospect than the guys that we have on the wing. But it's not to say that Duke was in desperate, horrible need of some athletic stud uh, scorer like VJ Edgecombe probably is going to be because we've got a lot of possibilities on the wing. And I, I think that, if he had arrived, if he had committed to Duke, it would have put a squeeze on some of our perimeter players, some of our wings, and you might have seen some, you know, one or two transfers as a result of that. I, I, I'm of the belief, Donald, I'll, I'll say it right now. I think that there will be transfers from Duke this year. I think what John Shire accomplished last summer of having nobody hit the transfer portal won't be repeated this year. It's, I'm not, it's gonna, not sustainable. You're not, you can't expect not, it every yeah. year. It's, it'd be great, but you can't expect it. Right. And and we're bringing in a ton of new players. We're bringing mm-hmm. in uh, far and away the number one recruiting class in the country. Uh, in fact, if they landed VJ Edgecombe, there would have been people talking about whether it was the greatest recruiting class of all time. Um, you know, it, it's in that kind of stratosphere. So, yeah, you're going to you're going to lose some guys. And, and you know, it's fine. It happens. But I, I did want to address for everyone the fact that that uh, Duke missed out on VJ Edgecombe. I also want to add one other thing. Um, Duke is not done recruiting for the 2024 class. 
Uh, we have mentioned on this broadcast before seven footer from Africa, Kaman Maluch, who will be visiting Duke in the next couple of weeks. He's expected to decide soon after that. Donald, there are a lot of possibilities for this guy. Mm -hmm. He he could he could you know there there's several college programs. He's looking at the NBA Development Academy. He could potentially decide to stay with the NBA Africa development pro program and sort of be the first player to be exclusively developed in Africa before entering the draft. Cause he will enter the draft in the summer of 2025. <laughs> I think that's uh, no question about it. This is a, a seven footer who's long and athletic and can shoot three pointers. So <laughs> the, the NBA likes what they have to see there. Um, but Duke uh, to some extent missing out on VJ Edgecombe probably means that Duke has a little more room, a little more ability to bring in someone like Kamen Maluch. And I actually think he may fit a little better with what Duke needs more than another wing would. Yeah. And, you know, first off, you know, losing VJ Edgecombe, as you mentioned, it, it it's a shame. Um, it'd been great to see him come to Duke, but as it's you mentioned, it's fun not... player to watch. Yeah. 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 He He's going to, he's going to do great. And I think he's, he's got a you know real future uh, in the pros, but uh, I, I think when it comes to this class, as you mentioned, it would have it would have created a problem that's good to have, right? It's good to have a, a talent, a, you know, embarrassment of riches, and try to figure out how to divide up the pie so that everybody is playing ball. But having said that, I think again, if Maluch does come here, that would be stellar because you mentioned the three point shooting. He's seven foot two, can block anything that's inside of you know, it feels like inside of twenty two feet um, from the rim. So it, between him and Cooper Flag, like I don't know who. I think yeah, oh my God. I don't know who's going to the rim because it ain't it ain't me. Uh, I'm not going to be doing it. So it'd be great to see to see him come here to kind of complete that class. But as you mentioned, Jason, there's going to be some movement, right? You have this class coming in. You have the guys that could be going to the NBA. You have the guys that could maybe transfer elsewhere. You have the guys who could be staying uh, next year. We and there's and, and um, you, we mentioned some guys that who stayed an extra year. They were like, oh, this is great. We got them back. We didn't think we were going to have all these guys back. And now we do. We could have a similar process, right, where some guys stay that we think was going to be destined to go to the NBA draft. Then there's also the final piece of the puzzle, which is the transfer portal. Yes, some guys may enter, but we're also going to be active in getting some leadership in that transfer portal. It has worked out so so far for us as the transfer portal has evolved. It has very, it has very much worked out for us in, in several years, and I don't see why we wouldn't, you know, tap into it to see if we get that one final piece of the puzzle. This is all this is all a chess game here. And it's also just a lot of pieces on a board. Um, it, you know, we're not talking about the 500 piece puzzle. We're talking about the 10,000 piece puzzle. And it's on John Shire, the coaching staff put together. I have I have all faith in them to do so. Hey, you mentioned uh, guys who came back and stayed, even though they could have left. One of them was honored with a fairly significant award. We want to just very, very briefly mention that Kyle Filipowski was named the Lute Olson National Player of the Year. This award's given by College of the Insider. Week. Of the week. Sorry, of the week. Thank you. Not of the year of the week. <laughs> hey, maybe He's our the player of the year. So. <laughs> he's in the running for it. He, he's a nominee for their player of the year, but he was named the Lute Olson National Player of the Week by CollegeInsider.com last week for, I mean, look, we said it, Donald. We were like, yeah, he's, he's a, you know, we, we didn't even get into all he did when we named him as our Player of the Week. He was the first ACC player in the last 25 years to have consecutive games of 25 points, 10 rebounds, and making at least four three-pointers. That's ridiculous. That's good. <laughs> those those good are job. absurd. Keep it uh, up. What's more, 
He was the first Duke player in 40 seasons to have a 30-point double-double with no turnovers. Wow! Yeah, so he had quite a week. He averaged 28 points per game, 11.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.5 block shots, while shooting 89% from three-point range. <laughs> I don't know how many other guys were up for National Player of the Week, but I doubt any of them had a week quite like that. So we wanted to tip our cap to Kyle Filipowski for winning the collegeinsider.com Lou Dolson National Player of the Week award. It's, uh, look, being named the best player in all of college basketball for a week, that ain't a bad thing. And that was in a week, as as we mentioned on the last show, a lot of teams took some L's. Uh, I think we we rose from number what number 12 or number 11 and number 7 in the AP poll, so we're back in the top 10. We're, it feels like we're clicking it, and and for Kyle, it just we just figured it out. It's just if he starts strong, he puts up thirty points, he gets fifteen rebounds, ten rebounds, whatever, in, in two blocks, and becomes national player of the week. So let's just let's just keep with this, the the uh, you know fast starts. Then Kyle start Kyle will uh, be all right. So yeah, it, I think it's a great award. Hopefully, he gets a lot more of them, and hopefully, uh, they're having to choose between all the other Duke players as well. All right, with that, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, you may think it's cold right now. You probably like all across the U.S. Cold snap everywhere. Everyone's really chilly. Wait until you hear where I'm headed next. That story when we return. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many... Leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. Back from the break, Donald, and we got a little bit of football news we got to get to very quickly. Jalen Stinson, who was last year the number two player on the Duke team in tackles, arguably our best uh, cornerback, or not cornerback, but uh, secondary, he was uh, safety. He's arguably our best, you know, uh, player in the Duke defensive secondary, fifth year player. He was looking for a spot to play his grad year. He had been in the transfer portal. Jalen Stinson has decided where he will play his fifth year of football. And it will be at Duke. He has pulled out of the transfer portal, decided he's going to stay. Um, he is certain to be an absolute cornerstone 
and key player for the Duke defense next year. I wouldn't be even remotely surprised if he's named a team captain. In fact, I would go so far as to say I will be surprised if he's not named a team captain. This is a big deal for the Duke defense, for the Duke football team, to be getting a guy like this, a guy who had looked around and said, you know what? The best place for me is where I am right now, and it is a tribute to the coaching staff that Duke is assembling. It's the second guy that's done that. You know, Jordan Waters did it on the offensive yep. side, and now we have Jalen Stinson. Jay, you know, Jalen Stinson, you mentioned all the all the great things he did. I think the best play he had uh, this past season was that game what appeared to what you know turned out to be the game ceiling interception against Clemson in the very first game where he ran it, you know, 60 yards back and really took the momentum away from Clemson and put it firmly in the driver's seat of, of the Duke Blue Devils. You mentioned his leadership. That's going to be a huge plus. His ability on the defensive side of the ball is a huge plus. The fact that he can cover guy, you know, wide receivers and also make tackles, plenty of tackles, is going to be very, very helpful for Manny Diaz and his defense. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him back in Duke Blue once again. It's a great, great, uh, uh, it was great news to see that he removed himself the transportal and is in a staying in Durham. So, uh, congrats to him. Glad to see him back and looking forward to seeing him do great things in 2024. Uh, so Donald, you said that, uh, uh, Jordan waters had, had pulled out of the transfer portal. I, I think you, you got it confused. I thought it was Jacquez Moore that pulled out. Of the it was Jacquez Moore. You were right. Yes. yes. Jordan, Jordan waters, waters is going, going to NC state and C yeah. state. <laughs> so we'll see him. He just, he'll just yeah. be on the other side of the ball. Unfortunately. Yeah. But hey, yeah I'm looking now we have Jalen Stinson to tackle him. So exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly. Looking forward to that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Hey, as we move on a little bit, um, we're going to talk about Jason's life a little bit. First thing we're going to talk about is the fact that Jason is on a hot streak at gambling. Not real gambling, people. Just let's be clear. I'm not I'm not making wagers illegally or anything like that. And the state of Georgia does not allow me to make wagers legally in the state. But there is a contest on the Duke Basketball Report forums, uh, the Degenerate Gamblers Contest, where you get to pick ACC games, picking games against the spread, picking over-unders. In my past 18 picks, Donald, I'm 14-3-1. That's kind of outrageous. That's really good. Been... And and Jason, does it make you feel a little little frustrated that you can't put like a $2 down on each of oh, these? Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, yeah, I'm, I'm up more than $2,000 in this contest making like $200, $300 bets and stuff. Up more than two grand, but it, none of it's real. It's all fake money. But it is real lines, and if we were in Vegas and we were doing this for real, it would all count, and it, it, it's treated exactly the same way they do it in Vegas, Atlantic City, and every place else. Anyway, I just wanted to uh, toot my own horn there. 14-3-1, picks against the spread over my past 18 games is damn impressive. I am currently leading in the contest. We'd love to get more people involved. If you want to go to the DBR forums and find the Degenerate Gamblers contest, go ahead and join us. It's a lot of fun, but I just, I mean, look, man, I couldn't resist. If you're if you're a degenerate gambler, talk to Jason. If you're not a, a degenerate gambler, talk to me because I'm the guy that, that my mantra is aim small, miss small. You can't lose a lot of money if you don't bet a lot of money. So that's where I'm at. There we go. All right, last thing. I hope you enjoy my voice, everybody. I hope you remember what I sound like because I'm about to go away. I don't do this very often. But I am going to take a little short two-week leave of absence. From the Duke basketball roundup because wait, my... Jason, where are you going? Like, you just gonna leave me here with the keys to <laughs> yeah, the Porsche? Right. You got the keys to the store, man, because I am going on a trip to Antarctica. 
This is bucket list kind of stuff. And by the way, you cannot visit Anna. It, I know it's I know it's winter time here in our hemisphere, but down there it's the summer. You cannot visit Antarctica in like June, July, August kind of time. You must visit in December, January, February. Those, those are your only options because it's summertime down there. So uh, this is something my wife and I have been talking about doing for years and years and years. We pulled the trigger literally like a month and a half ago or something. It was just, you know, we we saw a good deal. We went, what the heck? We're going to do this. So I'm going to be out for a couple of weeks and Donald's going to have to find fill-ins. Uh, but I just want everybody to know I'm not going away for good. <laughs> I just went to the bottom of the planet for a very, very short period of time. Well, first of all, that it is a bucket list thing. It is something that I hope to do. Um, I I hope you have a lot of Dramamine ready for the Drake Passage. Uh, if, if those oh, of you yeah. are familiar with the trip to Antarctica, it involves going through the Drake Passage, which is a uh, the body of water that basically connects you know Lower Argentina and Chile with our with Antarctica, and it is uh, the roughest seas on the planet because there is yeah, no, I, there is no I, body I, of, I, there is no land around it to mess up the tide. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I there's a, a website where you can track the waves in the Drake Passage. And they say that the days that we're going to be going across it, they're like, oh, it's it's sort of a medium. It's not not good, but not too bad. The waves are only about six or seven meters high. And I'm like, wait, that's like 20 feet. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> some Dramamine. Uh, also, I, I think you need to, like, you know, tie yourself in the bed. Like, I think they yeah, have supposedly they the have to tie you to the beds. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So you don't fall out because you will because you will fall out. And, <laughs> and and don't look out. Don't look left. Don't look right. Look straight. Look where you're going, uh, because that's that's the best key. Now, I have I have this question for you, Jason. Like, if 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 you're going to be in Antarctica, like, it, they can't you can't bring dogs down there. What's happened with Cameron? Oh yeah, my poor baby, my Cameron. Uh, my mom is coming over to our house. She is going to babysit for Cameron here. I'm very sad to be leaving my Cameron. By the way, is 13 and a half years old. He's showing his age. He's really he's showing it lately. I'm 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 worried about my pup. Um, he's my best buddy. He always sits right next to me when I watch all my Duke games. He always barks when the DBR podcast is recording, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, Cameron will be staying home and and my mom's coming over to, to watch him. So, uh, so yeah, the house will be protected while I'm out of town for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Why, what do you bring your dog back from Antarctica? This is the question that, that penguin, I man. don't know. I'll bring my penguin. <laughs> I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can bring a penguin into the United States. They're just not going to let you do that. So no. maybe a stuffed penguin that might that might work there we go stop with a little squeaky thing inside it squeak, squeak, squeak. yeah he, he would love one of those I'll, I'll i'll be on the lookout for that no that's cool but that's that's gonna be a good trip i hope you uh and mrs evans have a great great time that's gonna be a blast again something you're gonna have to tell me about it uh, tell us all about it when you get back but uh for those of you out there you get to hear me for the next two weeks so uh there will be a bunch of guests that were coming in i have a couple that are lined up already um starting on Wait, sunday got, or monday man? Oh, it's going to be a surprise. You're going to have to tune in. I know you can't tune in, but I'll tell you offline. But for the rest of you, you're going to have to tune in. But there's going to be some cool guests for it. We obviously have four games. I think Jason's going to be gone a couple of weeks. There's going to be four games coming up in pretty quick succession here. So uh, we're going to have some people come in uh, from those teams uh, for a couple of these teams. Trying to you know land maybe some guys like Brendan Marks. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But hey, we're going to keep this show rolling while Jason's gone and enjoying the ice. He's leaving the ice for more ice. And is going to you know embark through the Drake Passage to get there, but uh, while he's gone, this show will still continue to roll. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to miss three three games. I'm gonna, well, I, I no, you're right. I'm missing four. I forgot I'm missing. I'm making Pitt, Louisville, Clemson, Virginia Tech. I will be back 
for the Carolina game. <laughs> yes. No that, question it, about that. If he's not back, so. if he's not back by the Carolina game, that means something happened. It means he lives in the Antarctica now and <laughs> he'll be broadcasting from there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. Both of us, the two of us, me and Donald on the latest edition of the Duke basketball roundup. Sayonara, everybody. I am off to the bottom of the planet. Uh, rooting on those blue devils. Make sure they win these games when I'm out of town, please, everybody. And for me and Donald, goodbye. Here's the Duke band. Play us out and take us home.